welcome to insert credit number 118 which we're holding on saturday morning which is i believe isn't that when the second string cartoons were shown saturday mornings or was that sunday mornings no no, no that was uh saturday afternoons by my recollection when they switched saturday morning was top tier cartoons oh yeah sa- yeah Okay, Saturday morning was, was like cartoon. the top tier broadcast stuff, but then you hit about like 11 or noon or so, and that's when like the syndicated stuff came around. So yeah, Saturday morning was when the 22 minute episodes of Sonic the Hedgehog aired. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, the 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 real ones and the Super Mario yeah. World cartoon. None of that Super Mario Super Show stuff. So what I remember is is the. Like Saturday morning cartoons, I guess it was the Saturday ones were were cool, and then there were Sunday morning cartoons that were introduced as like a test thing, and that's when you got like um, uh, Tiger Sharks and that that uh, that that cop who was a cat but wasn't that Bobcat one. Bonkers. <laughs> Not Bonkers. No, Bonkers oh, was whoa. a Bobcat cat. Yeah, there was a knockoff of that. So there was another Bobcat yeah. cop so cartoon? He, he, might, he might have been a different... He was Bobcop. <laughs> Bobcop. He was a different kind of cat, not a Bobcat, but okay. still. He was a cat who was a cop, and he was... He's a Steve cat. He was kind of a, a cross between Bonkers and Darkwing Duck, and then Tiger Sharks was essentially just uh, Thundercats, except they were in space and... Um, wait, Silverhawks. I was thinking of Silverhawks, Silver not Tiger Sharks. Silverhawks. No, but Tiger Sharks was another one. Tiger Sharks was um, was in the water. It was just Thunder um, Thundercats in the water, and um, Silverhawks was Thundercats in space. Um, so I'm going to correct you real quick. I don't think those were like tests to be uh, promoted to Saturday. I think those were syndication packages that your local network bought. That could be, but they, they wanted were... some, you know, they wanted some content for Saturday morning. Like, like there was very similar things, especially when the WB network premiered, which is like a UHF yeah. channel. Yeah, and they didn't have any content, so they just bought a bunch of syndication crap, and that's when you got to see like the Darkstalkers cartoon that nobody remembers. Yeah, oh, I remember it. <laughs> um, but I, it felt they, they, they. I guess maybe they just fooled me as a child because they they bundled it. It was yeah. like here's the Saturday, I mean Sunday morning extravaganza or whatever. <laughs> but nobody watched it because they was in church. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Uh, That's where the hedonistic cartoons aired. Yeah, crazy, crazy <laughs> devil worshiping cartoons. They could get away with stuff. So I want to talk about some weird stuff this time. Um, oh, WS. Yeah, WS. I want to first talk about times you've played games in languages that you don't speak. So this this is a is a weird one because you know yeah. for, for me I can say that I would include Japanese as a language that I don't speak for the purpose of playing games because I can you know I can I can hold a conversation but I can't read really complicated text and uh so for me there's there's a level of ambiguation but it doesn't have to be just that sort of language because uh i remember people were saying you know which was the best version best language to play beyond good and evil in french yeah. or german or like oh yeah um final fantasy 12 people had preferred languages to play that in um <clears throat> so how how about y'all well um, uh 
ahead. I speak all the languages, so uh, that's cool. a joke. Uh, uh, does uh, okay. I think this counts, and this is uh, like the worst possible answer. But uh, uh, I played Eco, the Japanese version with no subtitles. Uh, where it's it's in fake language. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you unlock the subtitles by beating the game yeah. in the Japanese version. So, in other words, I don't know what the characters are talking about, and that rules. Well, yeah. that's that's Boom. true in all versions, I'm pretty sure. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. it is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I never, I, I don't so know. I never played The only it subtitles in... you get the first time through are what uh, the boy says. Is the boy named Eco? I don't remember. The boy is Eco, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, like, when Eco's talking... You always get his subtitles, like. But you don't get her subtitles, right? You don't get her subtitles or, or like the uh, the bad person's subtitles. I don't want to spoil. The bad person, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Man, person. I, thought, <laughs> I thought those subs were in um, were in made up language. No, no, no. So, oh yeah, yeah. So when you play it the first time, they yeah. do give you made up subs. Yeah. Okay. But right. after you beat it and play it again, uh, you get uh, English subs. Yeah. Instead, okay. of, instead right. of made up ones. Uh, so I don't think that one counts because, like, that's you weren't opting into that. Well, it know? kind of still mm. counts, though, uh, in a way, but but not in the way that I was hoping for. So, sure. f- Frank, what do you? Well, getting? I guess uh, I guess the best example for me is I did play Dragon Quest Five uh, in Japanese right. as a means of trying to learn Japanese. Yeah, and that it totally worked. counts. Yeah, so and, I've uh, never really like. I think I, I feel like a lot of people have had that experience where they they try to play through a Japanese RPG not knowing the language and maybe, like, you know, looking up uh, the symbols or whatever to, to try to get through it. But uh, uh, I've never really tried that. Uh, so my experience with games that are only in Japanese, uh, it, 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 it's, this is probably inaccurate, but every time I've tried, it just feels like uh, there's more talking than usual. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, oh, yeah it's just endless screens of alien symbols to me that just never end uh endless screens never end um but like the only and, and i've tried that a couple times but i've never really like seriously sat down and be like okay i'm gonna play this rpg that's not in english and and really try to get through it uh the only times i can recall playing games in foreign languages and actually trying uh was back when like literally in the nineties, I, I had a, a website where I was uh, dumping the ROMs for uh, NES cartridges that you couldn't download yet. And I was dumping things like, uh, like French games. And, and I, like the, the only one I can specifically remember was the French Saint Seiya game for the NES. Oh, nice. Um, oh, nice. So I, I, I dumped that and, and tried my best to get through it and uh, sort of picked up on some words that were vaguely English like, while doing it and got kind of far but i kind of felt the need to do that to to be like here's this rom because otherwise you know here's here's what this actually is and and my attempt to get through it because otherwise i just i didn't like that it was just a file people put in a folder didn't think about um but uh that was also my introduction to saint Seiya. also the final thing I ever interacted with that was Saint Seiya, <laughs> but I know what that is now. Well, go to France. Saint Seiya is so cool. Go to France, and, you won't be able to stop. And I if remember you, if you meet anyone uh, your age, talking to a French guy 
uh, once and, and he brought up Saint Seiya being re- really popular in France. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah. It's uh, like, uh, Les Chevaliers de Zodiac. He's like, yeah. wow, you know the French name. He's like, yeah. Because <laughs> that was like the title the, uh, of the NES game. <laughs> Saint Seiya is, is like the Dragon Ball Z of France. Yeah. This is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what so Dragon Frank, Ball Z is for the US of France. Frank, you never did, um, you never tried to, like, see what it was like to play through Beyond Good and Evil or, I don't know, Psychonauts or something in another language with English subtitles, because that was possible Uh, in the PS2 GameCube era. That's when that started being something. You could not, and I really wanted to, you cannot play Beyond Good and Evil with uh, French audio and English subtitles. There's no, there's no way to do that. I really wanted to do that. Not to the HD one, right? Yeah. I don't think the HD one fixed it. Maybe it did. It didn't? I think it does. I think, I think all modern Ubisoft games have a French language track as a. Well, no, no, no. The the French language track existed in all SKUs of Beyond Good and Evil. Just not English. But it was tied to French subtitles. You could not do both. I now, I now recall that I played it that way via a, uh, a fan hack. Oh, did does one exist now? Because like totally, yeah. I, I stopped playing Beyond Good and Evil because I could not stand the English voices. Like right. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought the voice acting was really bad in that game, and yeah. I did play for a little bit in French just to hear it, and I was like, this sounds really good. This sounds like people actually trying to act. Right. Um, so here, this is this is actually the the point I wanted to get to with my second question, which is. Do you find that you can accept things more readily in terms of story when it's not in your native language? This can apply to movies as well. Oh, I think so, yeah. I, I uh, When I played the... So the demo for Metal Gear Solid 3 that came with a magazine or something uh, before before the game came out, uh, it was... I, I'm pretty sure the E3 demo. Um, but it was the Japanese uh, track with English subtitles. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I sure took that snake guy a lot more seriously with that yeah. Japanese voice actor who's actually pretty awesome at voice acting. Uh, yeah, that guy rules. Than I did with uh, David Hayter. <gasps> David Hayter? Yeah. I David hate him. Uh, <laughs> the Metal Gear Solid 1 demo that came with the official PlayStation magazine was also in Japanese, and I loved it. I played it like 20 times, and that's what got me really excited about playing that game, and then I didn't like it as much in English. Even though Metal Gear Solid 1's English uh, was pretty decent. Uh, but So I recently played all the way through Assassin's Creed Unity, uh, which is the recent Assassin's Creed game that quote-unquote nobody liked, right? Uh, nobody liked it because it had bugs in it, and uh, apparently there were bugs that were fixed in the like, week two You mean patch. like rhinoceros beetles? Yeah, yeah, rhinoceros beetles. Oh, they right. got rid of those with a patch. Okay. But there's still screenshots of them everywhere uh, every time. So, okay, so here's two things. Whenever I played the game, I'm like, I'm going to play more Assassin's Creed Unity. Someone would tweet at me a link to the bugs and be like, <laughs> oh, look at these pictures of these bugs, man. How can you play this game? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they fixed that, man. Uh, So that's number one. Number two is... uh. And it seemed like the knee-jerk response whenever I was playing the game was, man, I can't believe that all of the guys in that have British accents, even though the game obviously takes place in France. Like, I, I actually got that response a lot. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can actually just choose the French language for the game. 
and play it in French, which is what I've been doing, and it rules. And the game is really, really – the story is just complete flaming nonsense. It's a, like sub-comic book plot, but it's like – uh it, it just feels so atmospheric that it's in this beautiful 3D with these great graphics and uh, everyone speaking French. And it's really expensively produced, very audiophile, crisp French. So that rules. And also I've been playing The Witcher. Uh, which one? Well, The Witcher. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first one. Uh, and I've been playing that in Polish and it rules a lot. Uh, and also yeah, when I was, was in high school. In Polish. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Boom. Uh, and when I was in high school, I watched, uh, Russian soap operas on TV and, uh, those ruled a lot and Chinese kung fu movies and those ruled. Uh, and you know, you turn the subtitles on and it's like, oh, I guess this is kind of dumb. But, uh, yeah, everything is more fun when you're watching it and like loudly, cartoonishly repeating every line of dialogue in the language, trying to model the pronunciation. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So this came up for me because, well, I, I've been doing this all my life, I guess. Um, I watched all those Kung Fu movies when I was a kid, all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's not one I haven't seen. Uh, that's not, that's, that's not true. It's impossible. You have to be some kind of a superhuman. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd describe that person as a superhuman. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very specific superpower that you could have. Um, I've, I've watched hundreds of them. I don't know how yeah, many hundreds, but uh, I've watched some number of hundreds. Okay. But you know, I, I saw a bunch of them dubbed, and then and then when I watched them subtitled, I was like, "Whoa, this is like I'm learning about Chinese culture." Was I really? Kind of. Um, but oh, sure you were. I was. Um, but it's it's like. You know, I, I watched the Sailor Moon uh, dub recently, the new one. The old one was really bad. The new one is actually mm -hmm. pretty... They really tried. Like, they've got real actors that can really do it these days because people, you know, know that cartoons are actually something that can make money and that you should care about and do in a real way. But um, but still, it's 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 easier for me to accept a stretch of imagination or or something that's th that is stupid or doesn't make sense or is completely silly when I'm like, well, that's a different culture from mine. They do it a little bit of a different way. And the like the fact is the story is still st stupid basically, but it's anything anything that allows me to suspend my disbelief right off the bat a little bit more is helpful, especially when just game stories are not that good, really, a lot of the time. Like, it, it's helpful to have some kind of a little bit of a buffer there where you could be like, oh, maybe maybe I'm learning something culturally significant, or maybe maybe this is unique to, to this place. Because even, even if the the language isn't you know, even if the, the English dub versus the Japanese dub or the Chinese dub isn't really inherently better, it's still, it, I still am more willing to make a leap. Um, so why not do this all the time? Like, Sinamora <laughs> was in Hungarian as the first language, and, uh, nobody complained about it. Nobody was like, why can't I play this game 
with an English dub. It was, it had a Hungarian dub. Hungarian was the language everywhere and it just had su- native subtitles, but it also wasn't that popular. So I don't, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, is, you know, does the, does the effect still work if it's like Simlish or Animal Crossing gibberish? Yeah. You I know, think is, it, is that the same thing? It, Animal Crossing gibberish rules. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same thing. It's it, because. I think to some extent it might be because you're like, okay, that's the, those are the rules of this world. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, it, it doesn't quite work as well because then you just go back to, I, I mean, this could be an, an age thing, but for me, I go back to like RPGs that had no voice at all and, and they just had little dots that, that would play when text came out. Because that always just felt like I was reading something in English, and it was meant to be in English. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, but that just could yeah. be because I played so many things like that, where the dialogue would just be like... Um, well, so the question is, why don't more people like utilize this tool to make their worlds more believable? Yeah. Like, like, how many how many players of Cinemora were going to be in Hungary? Probably not very many. The majority of them were going to be English speaking, French speaking, Japanese speaking. Were that was like the target. So, so they I were. Don't, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. The, just that they were willfully being like, okay, we're going to have all these wacky Hungarian names and things. Like there, there was this. Um, I saw a talk by the people who did. Uh, this war of mine in Poland, um, 11 bit games. And they were talking about how they had this song that they wanted to use. And they were like, wow, it feels so foreign and weird. I think it was in Romanian or it may have been Hungarian. They're like, this is crazy. We should use this, this crazy weird song. And, but they weren't sure if they could get the rights to it. So they had this song that had a lot of meaning for them about war that was about war in Polish as a placeholder. And they were like, okay, we're just going to keep this, this Polish song here for now. But then everyone got really attached to it. And eventually they were like, oh, but wait, if we actually want this game to sell, all the people playing this, they're not going to know Polish. It's, this is going to be like crazy, exotic, and weird for them. But it took them like a year of, of playing around with it to, to realize that their language was, was wacky to somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, I think that's the answer to your question. Like, that's yeah. not a thing that anyone really thinks about. Um, I think that everyone believes if they're doing a game with voice acting that they can just make the voice acting good. You know, yeah. like you've directed voice acting. I'm sure that you believed that. Yeah. And, you know, I, when, when we did it, except for the one lady who was really, really bad, um, <laughs> It was actually pretty decent. Like when when I had in my head how it was all supposed to sound and how it was supposed to stitch together, and when I could keep that in my head and direct the people to to do it as though they were reacting to others, and I would read the line to the prompt to a person, and they would react to it, and then I would read the next line after that so that they would know what like what the lead in and out was. Um, it actually was all right. It sounded it sounded pretty okay, but I'd say English voice acting 
sounds pretty okay most of the time now. It's just not, you know, Nathan Drake, he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) In all of his various appearances. But if he, yeah, all the Nathan Drakes, all the Nolan North, but if he were, if he were in, uh, I don't know, um, you, some like Czech, if you were speaking Czech, I'd be like, ah, it's well, it's, it's it's like you know, as as games have have gotten more like fleshed out and are rendered in higher resolutions and have voice acting and everything, like you know, we've lost some layer of abstraction, and it, and it sounds to me like you're trying to figure out how to abstract, you know, high res next gen games to 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 make them uh, to to give you that suspension of disbelief back. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of right because it is. It is hard. The, the, as we've discussed many times, like the, the more realistic you make a game, the harder it is to, to suspend that disbelief. Like, um, you know, um, my programmer Shane was playing The Witcher 3 recently and he's like, you know, I do all this stuff, um, blowing things up, killing dragons and stuff. And I come, come back to the town and, and it's exactly the same. Like it's been raided by these people and things are taken over and then it just looks the same. Uh, and that's not believable, but who has the time and resources and insanity to, to make that town look procedurally different based on what happened to the, right? you know, it's, it's crazy. Whereas if you, if you, if there was some level of abstraction that, that disconnected you a little more, uh, f- between that and the real world, then you might find uh, things like that more believable because who knows? Who knows the rules of this world, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. It's so that's. I, I think that's kind of what I was was getting to, but um, <clears throat> like when you're writing game scenarios, it's obviously it's difficult because you know I was I was just writing some gun sport cutscenes recently. Um, and you want people to get everything. You want them to understand everything, but you want to treat them like intelligent human beings who can figure things out for themselves. Um, so I, I guess this whole show I'm talking about information ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <clears throat> how much information do you want as a player and how do you want it presented? Like, do you, do you want to know every detail of this world? Um, like, if you think about Dragon Age. Um, they had they had a lot of stuff that was they wrote they had like people whose specific job was lore, and they were writing tons of it. Um, and it was for all, mostly for backstory, but then they put it into the game, and you could read it, um, it via these tomes or whatever that you could gather. And there was just like a friggin' encyclopedia in there. It was huge and at first i was trying to keep up with it but then i just gave up because i was like jesus christ this is this yeah. is insane i don't have time to read a novel in this video game that's also almost a novel um i wish they would present the text better in cases like that it's like i'm fine with having a bunch of stuff to read in a game it's just maybe the font could be like a nice pleasant size yeah. and it could be presented in a window that is centered nicely or whatever instead of like 
in Oblivion or uh, Elder Scrolls games, it pops up like on the right side of the screen, and it's yeah. like in this parchment thing with this ugly font that uh, scrolls like really, really bad. It jitters as it scrolls. It's like, man, if you're gonna put, they're gonna brag about having six hundred thousand words of lore in their game. Like they, they actually brag about it. It's like I don't know. I, I don't want to look at that. It doesn't look good. The end. Straight dope. Um, so I feel the way he feels about the, uh, I mean, I haven't really played the Elder Scrolls games, uh, so much, but even in the Fallout games, it's, you know, all that lore was on the, the gross, like, green monitors with the, with the clicky typing sounds and, like, you'd have yeah. to, like, you, you'd have to, you'd have to hear it and it'd have to, like, draw the text because it's like, that's the world, you know, and, and I don't know, like, that's, I, I think I agree with Tim, like, if, if, you focus if you want me to read the text make me you know want to read the text make me not think about anything but the text right yeah like because otherwise i just it I, I i never took the text seriously in those games um and i i don't know if this could be helped or not but you know when i when i get to the terminals and there'd be lore or whatever i wouldn't really be reading it and trying to trying to immerse myself in that world i would be scanning for clues as to what i'm supposed to do right now yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that's true. Um, um, kind of to Tim's point, I was I was thinking. You you remember that thing that uh, Microsoft announced at one of its Xbox One press conferences, where you could have, um, you could have information on your Surface tablet that came from the video game somehow. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh... What was it called? Smart glass. Smart glass. Man, I was trying to. I kept thinking Google Glass, and I'm like that can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not. Uh, they yeah, announced this, it and did nothing with it, as far nothing, as I can tell. Nothing. But this would be a fantastic opportunity for for a game like Dragon sure. Age or something to just put all that lore on your tablet in a nice, nicely presented way. As you unlock it, you've got it on your tablet. Yeah. Um, and you can read it when you go to bed at night or whatever. And it, and it would actually work because I mean the the biggest problem with smart glass is just the responsiveness wasn't there. Yeah. You know you, you couldn't use it as a second screen or whatever. It was very limited. It was you know all the demos you might remember were like movie trivia while you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. You know timestamp to the movie. But uh, yeah, that could have worked. Uh, yeah. I think. And I, I I'm pretty sure at least someone must have tried that by now because there's there's lots of stuff that uses your smart device as another screen like like that did you ever play uh beyond two souls with the app no i didn't it makes no sense it's just like instead of using your playstation controller you can use touchscreen on your phone to do all the same stuff but with less precision (laughs) cool (laughs) they like made an iphone app for that um but you know it's you don't need much to do that you just need a wi-fi connection and you need your uh, game playing device to be on the same network as your smart device. Um, and saying that I'm realizing makes it sound like your game playing device is dumb. It's supposed to smart, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, there, there's not much to it. And I'm sure people must have tried this, and we just didn't hear about it. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know why. Like EA wouldn't do that. Yeah, it seems so logical. Yeah, like especially like. If it's an app and every time you get lore, it just stores that 
that uh, that text, you know, on your phone or whatever forever. So yeah. you now have this companion app where you can like reread the lore on the train or whatever. It, I don't know if if it's a lore heavy game that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, EA or Bethesda, it seems like they would have done it by now. Yeah. Maybe they did and we're just dumb. With all this lore discussion and whatnot, um, right, so, so, we were talking about how much information do you want and how do you want it presented. We, mm-hmm. we would prefer for it to be presented in a nice way in, in terms of actual lore, but there's also like, um, just, visual information and world information and and all that sort of stuff um well yeah and i was gonna say i don't think uh lore in text form is really playing to the strengths of the interactive medium of video games too much uh although as i'm saying that out loud i'm also disagreeing with myself because (laughs) uh i i remember thinking that uh you know, as as dumb of a game as it was, that Phoenix Wright was really good at making me read its text. Oh yeah, you know, because it had like a rhythm to it, and it was like every line was just a just a bite sized little chunk. Yeah, and 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 it made me tap to continue, so I felt like I was still. It was like a bunch of tweets, with something. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, I actually interviewed that guy about that. I think we've discussed it, but he had very specific. Um, points at which he would put in some kind of, you know, um, screen shake or the little sting where it would go like, Pshung! or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and those would really, they made it feel like something was going on. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think that's how I prefer text in games. But anyway, I don't, I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Cause you're talking about like information in terms of world building and how much you give the player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can we could get back to that. Sure. Um, a little bit later. I'm curious to know if if either of you have ever enjoyed reading manuals because that's a kind of lore that is only Ooh. physical in text. Um, not necessarily the maps or the illustrations, but the the actual written content, the information that it gives you. I I like the manuals. Yeah, I, I like reading them as their own like separate thing, but I've never read a manual and felt like it was part of the game I was playing. You know what I mean? Like it always felt yeah. disconnected. So for, for me, the, my, the largest time that I, uh, largest chunk of time that I spent with manuals was when I was younger and, you know, I would get a game, I would, you know, buy it at a used game shop or whatever, but I wouldn't be able to play it because I had to do my homework or whatever. And so I'd be like, sitting on the toilet with the manual yes sitting there for way longer than usual because i wanted to get some of this game happening for me as quickly as possible and so i'd be like reading what kinds of items there are and be like oh man i wonder what what i can do with that item that might be that might be fun it's a flame sword does it shoot flames reading or is it just red items you know like that that kind of stuff um looking at the little I guess a lot of it for me was the illustrations, though. Like looking at the all those old Turbo Graphics games, they would just show you these are the enemies, and they would have some child's sketch of them <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you ever? Did you ever get into those? 
Well, of course. Like, I mean, I think the the common scenario is like renting a game and or no or buying a new game at the shop, right? And and mm-hmm. like on the car ride home, yeah, uh, being excited to play this game, but you can't. So all you can do is read the manual, or uh, you know, you didn't read magazines like like most of us did, but no. uh, magazines had that same effect. I mean, we you know anyone who read Nintendo Power uh, has played the game where you trace along the map with your finger and try to imagine playing the real game. Mm. Um, you know, like, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's something I think a lot of us inherently have shared just by nature of playing video games. I wonder if it's, if it's just, again, that I'm, that I'm older now or that there's, video games have changed or I have changed or my time has changed or something, but... Nowadays, I look at like this Final Fantasy XII manual that I've got in my hand, and it describes all the things you can do, like link chains, and, uh-huh. um, or, sorry, mist chains, and uh, you know, all the battle things that you can do. And I look at that, and I'm like, I don't want to read that. Just show me how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe there was a time when I did want to read that, and I didn't want you to just show me how to do it. But I, th- I, th- I think that's I just both. bad design for uh, educating a reader. Yeah. Just the, the just the boring, you know, reference manual text that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think I think in I, I think manuals for video games. I, I don't. I like in the ideal utopian world where where we've perfected video games. I don't think that manuals exist as a separate thing. Yeah. Um, I think all of that stuff is done. You know, through interaction, that's how you learn to play the game is by playing it. Uh, but you know, if 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 we're still stuck with offline manuals for some reason, then I think you just start. You know, like I I, I don't think that I, I don't. I think it's rare that someone who's like good at book design makes manuals, and and yeah. and and by book design, I mean like I don't know, just like. I think manuals should be more like kids' books, you know, yeah. like like they should be very visual and and the information should be snappy and and make sense. And, and they kind of used to be more visual, I feel, because sure they, they would sort of, but there were fewer actions. It would be like yeah, they'd show you an A button and there'd be a guy jumping or whatever. I don't know. Um, manuals just feel like uh, something that they just feel like a holdover. I don't feel like most games need manuals anymore. Yeah, I think that. Sometimes, uh, and Final Fantasy XII is a good example, sometimes there's information in the manual that is not provided in the tutorial because the tutorial isn't really doing it right. Right. Because I, yeah. I, I just, you know, watched my girlfriend try to play through the first hour of the game and she had the exact same experience as me when the battle comes up. It tells you some things and then as soon as the text is gone, you're like, wait, what do I do? I yeah. don't understand this. Um, and then, but it's explained in great detail in the manual. Um, but there are also those times back in the in the old PC days where there would be um, like a code that was in the manual that you had to enter at some point in order to proceed, or there would be some DRM thing tied to the manual. That was that was when manuals started to be your enemy. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, I think all three of us missed the computer game era where uh, 
manuals were actually an essential part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you needed to open to a specific page uh, and type yeah. a word in order to get games to run. I remember that. Well, the, that I mean, was there sad. was that level of copy protection, but then there's also, like, uh, the game Wasteland, for example. I'm sure other games did this. Like, Barsdale probably did this, come to think of it. But, like, with Wasteland, you get to a scenario, you know, and, and uh, it wouldn't display the text on the screen to tell you where to go in the book to read what's happening right now. Um, just because of you know try, uh, memory saving uh, on the disc or whatever. Yeah, and and there would be like D and D style stuff where it would be like ch- check here for the stats and whatever. Yeah. Um. Um. You know, I I think there is something to that. I think there is something to to giving the player a, a second thing that that expands on the game. Uh, I I, I think uh, I think Nintendo. Uh, envisioned that and didn't execute on that uh, with, with the Wii U, um, but uh, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't think that's right <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Like a, yeah. I don't no, think I that's don't like the, I don't think that's the answer no. uh, for for expanding uh, a game's immersion or whatever. Like I, I feel like taking my eyeballs away from the primary viewport is taking me out of the game yeah i think that it is bad so how far well, i guess there's oh i was gonna say there's always the nino kuni on ds uh example where the manual was a big hardcover full color 200 page book right that has uh all the spells written in it that are required the character in the game has a book similar to the one that you have and in order to do the spells you have to like draw runes on the lower screen of your ds and those runes are only in the manual oh man which is cool that sounds really annoying to me (laughs) yeah but you learn them all is the thing yeah once you so basically it helps that it's a studio ghibli yes uh game with studio ghibli art yeah so the book in your hands feels like an artifact that fell out of a studio ghibli movie so at least it's cool to have and look at which I guess points to the solution, like of how do you make a manual essential and also not make that sleazy to just be uh, make it real good stuff. If it's real good stuff, then that's good, yeah. I guess. So, uh, I mean, they they like had all these plans and they announced it and talked about it and all their previews and whatever. And then when the game actually came out, no you didn't actually need the manual. Like, they backed away from... They were all seriously being like, you need the manual to play the game. You need it. But eventually, they put all of the spell diagrams and such into the game, which is like, oh, because, I don't know, it could have been... It would have been neat to see somebody stick to their guns uh, yeah. that hard, which was... Uh, I thought it was a cool idea. I was ready to carry to have a book on my lap while I played the game. I thought that would have been cool, but no, the end. Owned. Um, it, that, that makes me think of how cool it would be if there was something like that. But that same tome uh, had information that you never used in the game, but was used in like sequels. You know what I mean? Like, like there's there's a tome that's that's always. Uh, got info for this series of games and you just kind of keep that book with you as new games come out. That'd be really cool if, uh, but that would require such planning. Good Lord. Yeah. 
You'd have well, to know or you just or you just make a bunch of nonsense in there and and uh, make it make, make it sense. Fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's you know they they built a Star Wars empire on on just trying to make sense of you know. Yeah, like, that's like, the whole Marvel universe right now. It's like, well, let's shoehorn this in here. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the example of uh, a game uh, encouraging you to like I don't know almost the opposite opposite example would be uh, Carmen San Diego, right? Yeah. Which came with an atlas uh, that you, uh, that the, that, that, that the fun of playing the game sort of made you do the not fun thing of reading an atlas. <laughs> you know, but, Learn but all would, about Denver. Was it yeah. Denver that they had one of? Uh, we're, in, we're in North Dakota. North Carmen? Dakota. All right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> we're in North Dakota is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, it's a real thing. Um, how far will you go in a game before you give up due to lack of information? Like, okay, f- uh, Frog Fractions, as you may know, uh, Jim Crawford is making a Frog Fractions 2, and there's this ARG that he's been doing that yeah. I, I read some stuff about re- recently. Um, and it, <laughs> it's it funny required... that we, 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 we all know him, but like, yeah. You know, we just kind of read the Polygon article. Too. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know he was doing all this stuff. Uh, in in fairness, it's not like thousands of people are participating. But sure. um, you know, uh, you got to listen to his his podcast that he does and run it through a pe- spectrograph in order to read a clue that gets you to something. Like that that biz <clears throat> is way too much for me. I'm not going to run anything through any kind of spectrograph for any video game. Um, but the, the, I think the point stops a lot sooner for me. Like there, there might have possibly been a time when I would play, when I would try to figure out the Tetromino puzzle in Fez, maybe possibly. But nowadays I look at that and I'm like, that looks hard. Where's game facts? That's that's the point for me. If it's like, this looks oh, like no. something that the the information is not provided inside the game. I have to do something outside the game. At that point, then I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna participate anymore. Where where's that line for you guys? I'm gonna not answer that question and and, and riff on what you just said, which which Go might it. itself be an answer to that that's question, fine. which is uh, that. When I feel, I find that every time I hit that point where I have to look something up out of impatience, uh, the rest of the game is is kind of ruined for yeah, me after that point because uh, I've uh, I've broken the seal, you know. Like I I, I uh, it it is it does not take much for me to then go to Game Facts now that I've established. How easy and fast it is, and, and, and <laughs> you know, and yeah. and and I feel like a lot of times I won't. I mean, this is basically what you're saying. I think uh, I I will give up on on actually trying to play a game uh, after I've given up once. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. and, and and whether that means that I will like literally stop playing the game or if if I mean that in in a in the sense that I will stop uh engrossing myself mentally with the game but either way that you know when when I hit that wall uh it's usually over forever and I don't like that
Yeah, I think with with Fez it wasn't that way for me because it was, you know, a hangout game primarily, and I was just seeing new cool spots, and there was still stuff that I could discover if I only looked up the Tetromino things. Um, there was still plenty for me to figure out by myself, which was nice. Um, and I think nowadays you can you can do a thing where you depending on the type of game where you play through the game and then you look at game facts and yeah. then you're like, what did I miss? And then you can go around finding that stuff and be like, Oh, that's clever. Uh, Cause you already had the experience. You know what I do like? I do like that, that, uh, that posthumous, uh, lookup thing yeah. with games and movies. It's like a treasure right? hunt. Yeah. I mean like that's, I, I think you guys are probably the same when it comes to this, but after watching a movie, basically the first thing I do is look it up. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, yeah. And, and read, read the background info of, of, you know, how it was made and, and like things I might've missed and things like that. And, and I enjoy that. And, and I think that works well for games too. Yeah. But I, I, but I think, I think you need to have that. I, I think the ideal scenario is you never look away from the game until it's over. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is true. Um but man, it's <clears throat> you know like how do you we've we've talked about it before how do you make a good RPG like action RPG puzzle. Um and and I I mentioned how Alundra has some puzzles where it's like you got to hit these things, these 12 things, you got to hit them in the right order and they're might have been some obscure information somewhere in the world about this, but I don't want to know that. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to write all that down. That's not. That's not fun for me. But I, Tim, I feel like you have sort of a different feeling on that sort of stuff, don't you? Uh, I mean, I guess a lot of my my formative video game playing experiences came from uh, games such as Landstalker, yeah. uh, where there's not that much feedback on some of the bigger puzzles you don't have any idea when you're doing anything at all much less doing something correctly uh which is kind of uh not not how Zelda is Zelda's got sound cues and uh every time you move a, like you can click your sword against a wall and hear a different sound to know that that's a wall you can bomb or break through uh but in Landstalker there's pretty much none of that stuff I don't I don't know if that's better uh in fact the more i think about it nowadays the more kind of sleazy and terrible i think it is uh but yeah man yeah i don't know it's i was playing this game called fair rune on the 3ds which is a pretty cute downloadable game i think it's two dollars right now um that it's it's kind of like East where you're just running into enemies, but um, when you come to a, an enemy that is two levels above you, you can't damage it. Um, but it has a lot of little secrets, and most of them are... They're hidden very... You know, they're revealed to you, but very subtly. Like, there will be a secret passage, but there will be the hint of a shadow underneath it. So you you might want to try something there because the ground looks a little bit different. I think that kind of stuff is, is fine. Um, but also there was, there w- I had to go to game facts for that game because at one point there was an area where you were supposed to, 
like in the middle of sort of a transition, you were supposed to go right instead of continuing through. And it just was completely not obvious. And I wouldn't, I would never have gotten it. Um, other people might have, but I, sh- I sure didn't. And that was, I don't like that because, you know, you could traipse all the way back through the world. And unless you figured out that, that you were supposed to just turn at what sort of feels like an arbitrary time, um, you, the game would be over. So I guess that's, that's this the also feels there. like you know it's it that just sounds like bad design yeah you know that and yeah and I, I think you know most of the the uh, game facts looking up stuff could be fixed by just uh, being more careful with design yeah I mean I, I I don't look up game facts when I'm feeling lazy well right. sometimes but um usually it's because it's like all right I don't know what you were trying to do here, so yeah. let's just let's just get it going. Like all the stuff we're talking about is what makes uh, traditional adventure game design just feel really terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it because uh, the the all you really have in, in like it, like like a LucasArts style point and click adventure, right? Um, all you really have is uh, expanding. Gameplay length by making people stuck. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that. Like that is the game design. And That's one way of making a hangout game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make I them guess. stuck. Frank, do you uh, remember? Do you remember this time we were at a an event for some German adventure game? It was yeah. called like Turtle Beach or something. And yeah. Um, the headphone manufacturer. Yeah. It, it wasn't Turtle Beach, but it was. Uh, it was the runaway. It was, very it was the similar. runaway two. Run, the Runaway, yeah, just like Turtle Beach. It sounds the same. Um, well, no, it had a subtitle. Hang on. With a turtle, uh, I think. But so there was this puzzle where we had to burn a rope, and we had Runaway we, we to found the dream of the, the dream of the turtle. Nice. I knew yeah, there was a okay. turtle in there. All right, sorry. Okay, so there was, so I, Runaway I, I wasn't to, listening. So there's a rope. Yeah, there, there. So there was a rope we had to burn, or something we had to burn, okay. and we we found a magnifying glass, and we're like, "Cool, we got this. We're gonna go here and that. burn this thing." And and then we were we we were trying it, and then we were like, "Well, I don't. This isn't working." Uh, we had to do a bunch of stuff to try to. We we were pretty sure we had the answer here, and there wasn't much else we could do. And then we started combining items and whatever. Um, yeah, you and, do that adventure game thing where it's like, I don't know, put all the items on all the items. Yeah, yeah. And, but that still didn't, we didn't quite get there. And then this producer guy came by and he's like, oh yeah, you guys are missing this piece of string because you need to attach a, a stick with the string to the magnifying glass so that you can burn this thing. It's like, why? Why did I need a stick to yeah. extend this? Uh, so it's, it's that with adventure games, you get that situation where you solved the puzzle but you didn't solve the puzzle because they wanted you to spend five more minutes on it right but that's so easy to fix because yes, you just give is. him unique dialogue when you try that like yeah. that's that's just that's like the easiest thing in the world to fix chairman's um <laughs> what make it german dialogue and it'll be uh more you, you know <laughs> yeah. forgiving of your more, suspension more, of disbelief more more immersive um <laughs> Uh, so to, to answer that question, uh, yeah. when do I give up on a video game? Yeah. Uh, 
usually before I start playing honk. it, it's not a joke. Honk. Or that's that's not even a joke. Yeah. I will look at a game and I will go, no. Yeah. I will just like shake my head <laughs> and not play it. Uh, I'll be like, uh, I I can just predict what bad design is in there. Or uh, never and never look at game facts and just hate it and uh, <laughs> write down lots of stuff that I hate. That's how I got through all the Bioshock games. Uh, that's how I'm getting through the Assassin's Creed games. Bioshock. Uh, having, being able to stream my frustration is particularly fun. But as for the sort of thing that bothers me uh, or that doesn't bother me, like about so yeah the the Alundra puzzles that don't have feedback yeah. the Landstalker puzzles that have no feedback but you know you're supposed to do something like you're supposed to let some sunlight shine onto a thing but you can't even see the sunlight or whatever yeah. like I I like lately I think it's possible now to make games that are not adventure games but have good puzzles uh just action puzzles I think Octodad is like the perfect example of the puzzles are just get this guy through this thing. Yeah, that's right? true. But the guy's ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, like that's that's like the perfect, the sublimely perfect video game puzzle to me. Uh, is just uh, I know what to do. It's just the uh, flopping around and the physics and all the ridiculousness. If anybody wants to play a particular puzzle, uh, just go to actionbutton.com/stacker. Uh, I made a simple puzzle game the other day. Uh, I've been playing it ever since uh, Brandon mentioned uh, when do you give up on a game. And uh, uh, I'm like, I kind of gave up on my own game when I like right after I made it. And uh, but now I've actually solved it. So and I feel like a champion. So if anybody wants to play, just don't use Google Chrome. You have to use Firefox or because oh, it's Unity Safari. Web. Because it's okay. it's a Unity web player, and no matter what anybody like, every time I post a link to a Unity web player, people are like, "Oh, that doesn't work in Chrome." By the way, it's like, yeah, I know it doesn't work in Chrome. Everybody, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. I'm not going to stop because it's very convenient yeah, it sure is. to make something for Unity um, web player. What what kind of information related to games does it actually excite you to find, uh, both inside of games and surrounding them? Uh, to to give. An example for me, I think I've given this one before, uh, in, in text form on the insert credit website. Uh, <clears throat> Metal Slug 3, I really like when you, you, like you just find a secret path, different passageway, and it feels like you got into some weird, unique world. The, the, the underworld part, uh, in the subway level of Metal Slug 3, you can find all these stranded Japanese soldiers who don't know that World War II ended and they're all still mm-hmm. waging waging the war based on you know stories of things that happened in real life very loosely but you just get down there and it feels like wow this is a I found something I discovered something I love I love feeling like I I found something myself yeah. um so that kind of hidden information for me is really cool because it's it's you know, it wasn't it wasn't hiding something from me, but it it it's something that was left there for me to find if I wanted to. I, I think that kind of stuff is is pretty fun. I think all good game design is making the player feel like they're clever. Yeah. For for doing uh, something that you sleight of hand, uh, for you know, push them into doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so you know, I think that's a good example of that. Like that probably wasn't that obscure to find, right? No, but you felt like you found it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was there. They wanted people to find it because it's content that they made, and they had to put a bunch of work into it. You know, yeah. it's it's. Um, I think people need to not be afraid of their content not all being seen. Um, and, uh, yeah, like in, in Bonk, Bonk's Adventure, the remake on the GameCube and, and PS2, you could, you know, someone who played the game a bunch would probably try to continue hitting enemies, uh, continuously because you notice, that when you hit them, they jump, they, they go up into the air. And so, uh, if you hit them again, you'll see that it propels you higher. And then you'll realize that you can just get up real high by continuing to smack enemies in a very specific way. I was like, wow, that's, that's a weird thing that, that happened in this. I wonder if that's like a physics thing that they just didn't get right or, or if this is intended. And then at one point, I found, that there was secret hidden stuff. If I if I just tried to get up real high, I could actually find items up there and things. And I was like, that's great. They uh they they figured out that people, you know, were gonna want something else and they, they put it there in a in a relatively obscured but achievable and possible way and location. I like that. Yeah, I think games always make you feel good when they uh acknowledge you like that. Um and that's, you know, that's what makes a lot of games fall apart is when, you know, just going back to the, the, the rope puzzle in, in the runaway two, which neither of us have played past that point. I don't no. think, no. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> the, you know, that it's like what the, the problem with that puzzle is that the game didn't acknowledge your attempt at doing something, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. it didn't, it didn't acknowledge that, uh, Oh right, you have a magnifying glass and a rope, and you should be able to try that, and and the game should give you some some kind of feedback, you know, like even if it's just like no, it's not enough, you know. Um, I I did a video on YouTube years ago that's that was really popular where I did an annotated playthrough of a Famicom game called Gimmick, and the entire reason I did that was because I was really excited by uh this being like an 8-bit game you know from that like golden like era of of sunsoft uh that that actually you know even though it was limited in its in its interaction uh thought of all the things that a player might do mm-hmm. and, and and uh gave you some kind of reaction to them you know like when you're getting chased by a guy with with like a, a turret minecart uh, you know, it's like, well, what happens if I actually like get on his minecart, which is really hard to do, but like you could get on there and shoot bullets at nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because like they, they thought of you doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's and, like, there's, it's the same sort of thing where like, that's a game where you shoot a star off your head and that star has physics and you can actually jump on the star. Yeah. And so you get up to really obscure places and, and like anywhere that you can conceivably get to, there is some kind of thing waiting for you. Yeah, you know, like like it 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 is acknowledged every place in the map that you might be able to get to, even conceivably. There's going to be some kind of reward for you trying. Um, there's there's rooms in that game where 
that that have no purpose other than like oh you got to this room by yeah. doing a weird thing like enjoy this seagull. <laughs> yeah, know, just seagull yeah, I like here. that kind of stuff. It's it, like in 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 Halo with the caveman family up the mountain. Uh, it's it's just like yeah you tried you tried to do something you tried to get up somewhere weird and yeah. uh, and here's here's something for, here's something special for you for yeah. the people that like to it's it's nice for people that really have played a lot of games and who very quickly turn to breaking them or pushing their limits for the game to be like yeah we're just like you buddy yeah here's we 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 figured you were going to do that here's here's something extra special just for you <laughs> um oh, tim just, with oh go ahead oh there's a, there's a there's one real ex- example of, a good example of that in gimmick that I'm just thinking about now that's not in my uh-huh. video where Oh. In the second level, you're on a pirate ship, and you're supposed to like when you, when you climb up on the pirate ship, you're supposed to kind of go left and up and around to get back to the right side because there's a big gap. But if you're really good at the game, as soon as you get into the pirate ship, you can you can bounce the star just right and actually like cross this chasm that you're not supposed to be able to mm-hmm. to get to that area where the boss is that you're supposed to take the long way around to get to. And if you do that. Uh, it acknowledges you because the boss is there, but he's sleeping. Ah, nice. Because you're not supposed to be there yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, uh, that's, what were you that's good stuff. Uh, I was just going to say to Tim, like when you were talking about Ziggurat um, early on, you you were talking about how you know there were guys in there that people were never going to see. Um, Absolutely never. Yeah, and I I don't know if those guys are in there because I've never seen them. But exactly, and but like that that kind of that kind of conceit, even if it's only verbal, even if it's even if it's only part of the lore, that's that's cool. Like having at least a bit of uh, my uncle works for Nintendo in there is uh, is kind of fun. The the yeah. The the there's, potentially mythical long term goal. There's uh yeah the potentially mythical thing is is a real big uh, the, the word the word potentially is cool yeah. uh, uh to have just involved with your game especially when it's a game that is not uh, designed or marketed exactly to sell a hundred million copies or whatever we didn't put any jokes or memes or uh, funny characters or cats or dogs or angry birds in our game like on purpose because you know we wanted to wanted to keep it cold i guess were the the words that i used so it's like is any of that stuff that i mentioned being in there actually in there it's like well you tell me how much of the game have you played have you have you seen new enemies get introduced after three minutes or so uh what's to stop us from introducing slightly different new enemies after an hour or such it's like who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows what's in there? So I I love not ever verifying it or posting proof. We have like a twenty eight minute video of a guy playing for twenty eight minutes, uh and uh I should put that on YouTube. But uh yeah, yeah you should. I love that sort of stuff. Me too. I really wanted to put a lot of uh there was a lot of secret stuff I wanted to put in Gunhouse. Um just obscure things to do that would yield certain obscure results and there just wasn't time to do it and that that's one of the saddest things for me about that game 
um, aside from not enough people playing it. Uh, I, I had a really good one that, that got cut from Sharknado very last minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, just because it was impossible to test. Um, but uh, that game had levels, and uh, I, I put a I put a crash. I, I, made, I, I made the game crash to a kill screen at level 256. Oh, yeah. Nice. Which is, like, no one's ever going to get there. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, the functionality was there. We just couldn't test it, so <laughs> I just had to cut it. Uh, yeah. Um. Oh man, yeah. Because wanna... like after level like eleven or something, it's just repeating because it's it's very much inspired by classic arcade games, you know. So like once you get to eleven, it's just the same level for the remaining, you know, two hundred and forty or whatever. Um, Frank, you kind of mentioned one here, but uh, I would like us all to talk about times that we have enjoyed information being hidden from us, like, mm. um. Essentially, uh, finding something on your own that, that was not, not immediately made available to you. Um, in, I guess for one, one thing that was fun for me in, in that game, Dust Elysian Tale, mm-hmm. is ha- having played, you know, Bonk's Adventure and gotten to a high place by smacking enemies a long time. I noticed in Dust that as I leveled up my attack, I could get higher and higher. I was like, at this point, I was like, this guy better have put something way up high for me. And then when I found it there, I was like, well, all right then. (laughs) 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 That's fine. Um, But yeah, it's... There's... uh, I don't know. I... I, I think I've used up several of my examples already, but in <clears throat> in near there are a lot of tiny little hidden things, and <clears throat> you know in uh, in Ranger X you can shoot down those little berries in level three, the forest level, and is that three or two? I forget. Anyway, there's no reason to do it that I can find. But it feels like there might be something that you can do. And it, I'm compelled to do something different with those every time because there's, they're a little piece of interactivity that I don't understand in a game that I like. And the idea that there might be something there is exciting to me. And so I, I guess, I don't know if that's hiding information or providing a, um, like a red herring, but either way, it's something that can consistently engages me. And I feel like that fits the criteria there pretty much. Um, I don't, I don't know if this really counts, but there's areas in, in, uh, Sonic two and three that I'm pretty sure you can only get to by putting in the debug code and warping over there. Oh yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, that, that sort of rewards, even though it's totally unintentional, I think, yeah, that does reward you for uh, really playing the game. Yeah, you know, in, in all the ways. Yeah, you know uh, that reminds me of a thing I really liked in Resident Evil Four, and I, I know that opinions are divided on that game, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I played through it a couple of times, and, uh, and then, 
you know, I wa- sometimes I would be playing some other game and I would be like, I wish I was, this was just Resident Evil 4 instead. I wish there was more Resident Evil 4 for me. And uh, then I saw this YouTube video of a dude clipping through a fence in a specific place and getting yeah. to a different area and and finding this area where all the items in the game world were stored. They, it was just somewhere off the map where they had stored a node that contained all items. Um, finding that was like really cool. It was yeah. hidden. We were never supposed to get it, but it was this treasure box that you could find if you if you were. Yeah, it was really like all the items were there for test reasons or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought of a really good one, uh, and I don't know. I, I'm guessing this is intentional based on you know the the people who made it, but uh, so Metal Gear Solid Two, um. There, there was uh, there was a separate release. There was there was another product that came out along with it, or maybe after it, or something called the Document of Metal Gear Solid Two. Oh yeah, uh, you probably remember this. Yeah, yeah it was it was a, it was its oh, own yeah. PlayStation Two disc. It wasn't really a game. It was more like it was more like a companion app for the game, uh, where you could watch all the cutscenes and and uh, I don't even remember what else. View some three D models and stuff. Uh, you know, move around them. Um, but I remember uh, if you uh, watched the cutscene for the ending in the document disc uh, and moved the camera around, uh, you could see uh, one of the characters vamp uh, from the game in the crowd, a character who was supposed to have died during the game. And it's and it's not even a 3D model. It's like a flat sprite of him in the background in a crowd. And like you know, I don't know if that was supposed to be like, oh, if if you really play this game and then get the companion app and then like do obscure things to move the camera around and go over here, then you'll find out that this character's still alive. You know, like I don't, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but uh, that was a really cool thing to find. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like, ooh, wowie, I'm I'm really into this story, and maybe maybe my favorite character Vamp's still around. It, you know, it wasn't that kind of reaction. It was just like, oh, it's a cool little, you know, piece of candy you left there for me. Yeah. Tim, you got any of those? Got a couple of those, probably, <laughs> somewhere in my head. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing particularly exciting, though. Okay. Well, I mean, there's, there's. Wh- what about in Landstalker? What about it? What do you mean? Well, I How mean, much you've... of Landstalker have you played, Brandon? A couple hours. Okay. Which, which so is, wait, what, what were you? Which is to say, at the at the pace at which I can play Landstalker, um, not very much of the game. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I was saying like. It... Um, we're talking about times that you enjoyed information being hidden from you and and finding that information, and I feel like that happened to you plenty in Landstalker, yeah. Oh, yeah, it happened a whole lot. Uh, it happened, like, I don't know, it just kind of felt like every single god darn thing in that game, and maybe that's what's made me kind of immune to looking at game facts uh, slash uh, 100% willing to just not play a game if it looks like it has any of that stuff in it. Uh but like the first time I beat Landstalker, uh, I got there, there was, there was a puzzle where there's just no, 
no idea. You, you're given no indication at all what you're supposed to do, and solving it feels like completely like cheating and like uh, exploiting some terrible glitch. You're supposed to jump. Like, and I've actually confirmed this with the designer of the game. You're supposed to jump onto an enemy's head and then damage boost uh, up onto a ledge. And it's the only time in the game you ever do that. And uh, uh, I hate that so much. But when I discovered that that was a way to do it, uh, I, I felt terrible for completing that dungeon by doing that. <laughs> like, I felt like a complete idiot. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want to go back and play this game and figure out the real way to do it. Right. Uh, so I guess the answer is I don't really like stuff like that. But then the real way to do it is to do it that way, which is, which is terrible. So I got all the way to almost the end of the game. And then, uh, my little brother who was seven years old, uh, came into the bedroom and was really, really mad at something. And he walked over to the Sega Genesis and ripped the cartridge out and threw it across the room. Uh, it, he had no beef with me in particular. Uh, it was just, he was mad at something and he wanted to do something. So he ripped the cartridge out and threw it across the room. And when I put the cartridge back in, uh, all of the save datas were deleted. Oh, man. Because that's what happened on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. You can't, uh. Can't smash it. You can't, it. Can't eject the game while the power is on. Like, uh, that's, uh, if you ever want to delete all the saves on an old game, just that's the quickest way to do it. So I restarted the game and blew right through it, which made it occur to me that I had put up with a lot of nonsense and found out a lot of nonsense ways to solve all these puzzles. And there was, it turned out that during my replay, uh, in my recollection, there were so many parts where I was like, I'm going to find out the real way to do that the next time I play. And, uh, I did not hesitate to attempt to find out the real, uh, part, the real way to do it. But I did not hesitate. I mean, I didn't even try. I just used all the nonsense solutions, which I later corroborated with the director of the game were the correct way to solve all of the puzzles. And that just made me feel real sad. And the game Braid is like that. Have you guys beaten Braid? I have, yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, uh, so, like, the last the last world of Braid, uh, every puzzle just feels like you're cheating, which is kind of cool, but, I mean, the whole game is built around just teaching you a system, and then every, every world introduces a new object, uh, a new item into the game, but each new item requires you to break the rules a little bit more until you're just kind of completely breaking the rules yeah. at the end of the game. And it it felt really bad to me the first time. And it wasn't supposed to feel bad. I was supposed to feel cool, yeah. I guess. But uh And you and yeah. you can see how that happened just from like playtesting the game and watching people. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh just built a puzzle build a puzzle where you do that, you know. It, yeah. With with a game like Spelunky, I really enjoy I enjoy all that seeing all that crazy hidden stuff that's in there all the weird stuff that they let you do i don't want to do it I, but i'm very happy to watch it like i'm 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 so glad all that stuff is in there that allowed people to play that game for a year and a half and still find new weird things that you could do that were rewarded by uh by the people that made it like that's 
I think that's real cool. Um, <clears throat> but none of that stuff was like, none of that stuff was, was like, you, you have to do this crazy damage boost thing to do this thing. I mean, I guess some of it was, but it's like, they just gave you a bunch of tools and it, none of it was necessary to, to advance. Like, it, it's just, if you decide to be a crazy person, we're gonna let you do this thing if you want to carry this eggplant to the re- to the end of the game or whatever. Um, so I guess as a final wrap up here, I want to talk about deliberately hidden information, which is like stuff you have to find um, or figure out versus unprovided information, like implied backstory or you know posters on walls that tell you about the things, the struggle in, in Gears of War, which is a very simple example, or the um, the safe room in Left 4 Dead where it which is the only place that gives you any kind of narrative um, how, do you, how do you feel about those things? Obviously I really like un, the unprovided information that lets you fill in the blanks, like with Left 4 Dead, that stuff is it's better than being like a zombie plague wrecked the nation, and eventually yeah. everybody was dead. In, instead, just having you thrust into a world and then seeing these things that people have written on the walls—that's it's like it feels like a place. I don't, I don't like uh, that way of doing things. I think that's you know, uh, well, I think we've all seen the limitations of, of the graffiti on the wall, the video game graffiti. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a huge TV tropes page about that uh man dead space has shoot the limbs written on the walls until like halfway through the game (laughs) like people like everyone on board this this space station in their dying moments like comes across the solution which is to shoot the aliens as limbs and in their blood they write it on the wall and it's that's yeah that's extremely insulting to me yeah I agree. Uh, to me, me personally, I hate that so much, but it rules at the same time. I liked, uh, I mean, the, the one that came, comes to mind immediately, Shadow of the Colossus, does a, a, a does real well with uh, not telling you anything about the world you're in. Yeah, and and also never revealing very much about the world you're in, uh, but letting you fill in the gaps. Uh, you know, I I, th- I think. I th- I almost think the ending sort of ruined that game a little bit. Did either of you finish it? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so like I I kind of liked how vague it was as far as like there were only visual clues telling you like what you're doing is unnatural and wrong, you know, and and it's just gonna get weirder the more you do it, and and I hope you're feeling sad about this because like you are messing with nature right now and it's not it's not a scary jumpy like chaotic kind of uh badness that's happening it's a slow creeping un- unnatural feeling that's happening and i thought that was awesome and and uh and you know but the the, the ending of that i wouldn't say ruined it but i i think they kind of just threw too much at you and and i also still kind of wish that game had no text at all. Like, I, I, I yeah. wish it had just zero text, and it just kind of, like, you know, instead of instead of 
God or whatever talking to you and saying, thou art blah, blah, you know, like in, in, in like fake oldie time language. I, I wish that the character sort of would, would be spoken to in like sounds they don't understand and then just have the light pointed at the thing you need to kill. You know what I mean? Like, I think that game could have very easily uh, taught you that you need to kill all the things without someone telling you you need to kill all the things. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, to, to answer your question, like, I, I like that there's a whole world established there uh, that, you know, you don't, that I, I almost, like, maybe intentionally forgot some of the lore that was told to me and, and made that a game with no lore maybe but I, I do feel like they did intend it that way at some point I it reminds me it's a different way of going about it completely but it reminds it re- made me think of the Keita Takahashi approach for a, lack of a better term where there's a bunch of text but it's mostly just about things that somebody's feeling that are unrelated to the video game um, and you know all the all the flavor text in there like Loading rainbows, etc., yeah. um, and which are things that you don't know. You don't even know if those are objects. Are they? Are they in the game? Is this just fun text? That game has a lot of that kind of stuff. Where you know the first, the first moment when you get bigger, you, the ball gets bigger. Then you're like, well, how big does this get? Yeah. Uh, wh- where is it going to be? And the essentially the narrative of the game is how big can it get? And the answer is as big as possible. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. real, real big. Um, and that's, yeah, real big. That's pretty cool. Like you're, you're rolling up clouds and you know, when you're rolling up clouds at the end, you think about, man, I used to be rolling up paper clips. Yeah. I've really come a long way with this, <laughs> with this ball rolling thing that I'm doing. Um, that's, that's, that's a cool way to go about it. I think. That game's dope. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, but with with uh, with RPGs, there are definitely RPGs that that do a better job than others of providing subtle information. Like, you know, there's a there's there's a dark lord, but you never see the dark lord or whatever. Um, in 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 Panzer Dragoon Saga, I feel like there's a lot of just implied backstory simply because they didn't have time to finish all the stuff they were trying to do, but it still works at getting me intrigued and feeling like there's more. I would rather, I would rather feel like there could, there could be more in this world than, okay, everything's wrapped up because the everything is wrapped up conclusion to, to an RPG usually feels forced and, uh, and unsatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, then you're going to love the end of Final Fantasy VII. Nice. Because uh, they don't explain anything at the end of that. Yeah. Uh, I think Breath of Fire Five Dragon Quarter does an extremely good job of throwing a bunch of stuff, like having a bunch of stuff in there that you don't really have to pay attention to. I just watched the movie uh, Mad Max Fury Road again the other day, and... Uh, uh, I really, really wish there were more video games like that. That Mad Max Fury Road has so much stuff in it. Yeah. Like, so much, like, enormous amounts of stuff that are not explained at all. 
I love that. It's like got an entire Star Wars trilogy's worth of crap that pops up from one second that uh you can think about or you cannot think about. And you can think a whole lot about any of that stuff. I don't see why. Well, I do see why there's not more video games like that. But uh it would be cool. Someday we're going to have a Panzer Dragoon Zvi-like video game that's big. Panzer Dragoon Zvi is another example of a game that has a bunch of world stuff in it yeah. that there's no uh, exposition about. I love that game. Yeah, and a lot of it's there's a lot faves. of hidden stuff in there too, the paths and the mm-hmm. and the items and the evolution and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. Um real good game. Yeah, that's an RGG. Well, that's all I had to say for this for this episode. So, I guess I'm going to say thanks everybody for listening and watching and you can follow us on Facebook.com slash IC podcast apparently is the URL. I thought it was slash, it's also slash insert credit, maybe. I'm not sure. I think it's a bunch of them. Um, you can, I think it's, there's a couple of them. You can find us on the iTunes. You can find us on insertcredit.com. If you hate iTunes, God, why don't you give us another way to listen to this God? Um, you can do that on insertcredit.com. Do not go to Facebook.com slash insertcredit. Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Unless it's, you, unless you want to be friends with whoever Robert Farrell is. Oh, god darn it, Robert, give it back. Um, and uh, yeah, so Man, just I'm endless selfies of Robert Farrell. <laughs> Hundred eighty-four of them looks like. Wow, that's cool. Why doesn't that guy go to jail? <laughs> Let's get anyway, him in there. Sorry, right. what, what, what were we saying jail. about Robert? Oh, I was just saying that uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and that's Tim Rogers, and that's Frank Cifaldi. Hello. Yeah. And uh, oh man, yeah, look at this guy. <clears throat> and that's that's it. That's the end. Robert Farrell, the show. Everybody, everybody, friend uh, Robert Farrell on Facebook. <laughs> oh no, what kind of guy is this guy? Oh wow. Um. Uh oh. Tim, Tim, I have a bonus question for you. Oh, let's hear it. Which Which Dragon Quest? has the least grinding that I might, so I might be able to get into one. Cause I was looking at Dragon Quest 7 and it looked pretty fun. I liked all the colors. It's pretty cute and stuff. Wait, 7 or oh, 8? I love that the one. The PS2 one. The PS2 one is Dragon Quest okay, 8. 8. Yeah, I was looking at 8. Uh, so the, the, it's grinding. The answer though. is, I think, uh, in my opinion, none of them actually have grinding if, unless you're playing them on an NES. Like, or a super, or, unless you're playing them on a system that has, uh, the letters NES it, in it, the super they Nintendo They got a lot one. of forced battles, like the, that PS2 one they're, there, they're, there's a lot of battles happening. Yes, yeah, so the PS2 one is a hard one to recommend in terms of battles because the battles are really slow because they have those fancy graphics that they love, uh, and, uh, they're flaunting those graphics a lot, so the battles are too slow. But, uh, if you get Dragon Quest V for the DS, okay. Uh, you, first of all, one of the best games of all time. Uh, second of all, it's, uh, the battles are extremely fast and the math is optimized so that, uh, uh, you, the, the math is like slightly gentler so that the battles go faster. You get a little bit more money, you level up faster, but you don't actually need to level up that much at all because the battles actually have some strategy skill and finesse to them. So I would 100% recommend 5, which you can play on your DS. Right. 
that's what I'll do. The old-fashioned way. Yeah. Uh, Man, Square Enix was uh, selling a bunch of clearanced copies of it over the holidays uh, for like 20 bucks. You could have gotten one. The the GameStop by uh, the Walmart down by the airport had a copy the last time we were there, which was two weeks ago. Maybe it's still there, though. They actually had four, five, and six. Maybe I'll give but it a five look. Is, five is so good, man. So good. The end. Thanks. Insert credit show. Over, yeah! So how come it says comments are disabled for this video? Oh, it always does. Uh, there's no way to fix that cool. anymore with uh, Google Hangouts. Uh, I sure did sit around and... Uh, as everybody probably knows, uh, Google changes everything, uh, every couple of minutes or so, you know? Like, they just put, they put all the buttons in different places. Your Gmail inbox now is virtually indistinguishable from your Gmail inbox a week ago. Like, they just, you know, they move all the buttons. Uh, so it is with Google Hangouts, and so it is doubly with Google Hangouts on air. They just move all the commands and buttons. So I literally have to relearn how to do it every week. I'm like not even exaggerating. It's almost it, like uh, they're A-B testing, but just you. And they don't understand that A-B testing doesn't work on one person. It feels like, yeah, yeah, they're, well, I, I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know if they, if they wanted to A-B test on one person, there's, there's a way to do that. It's called, give me a job. Uh, <laughs> well. but, uh, man, so here's, here's my, my great, off-the-cuff story about Google A-B testing. It's very short. I was in Kyoto, Japan with a rented iPhone last t- July, last t- t- July, and uh, every time I Google mapped something, it did not lead me to the place, but it led me to a similar place, and it popped up an advertisement at the bottom of the Google map for other places. It's like I chose to go to a restaurant, right? A restaurant that, for for the record, was on Google Maps. Uh, uh, the exact name that I typed in was on there, but it would never send me to the place that I had typed in. It would always send me to the uh, the the first result on the similar list, and it wouldn't tell me it was doing that. And I have no idea why. And it's like, sounds insane, but I, I got Matthew Kumar to corroborate it. I showed him. I'm like, look what it's doing. And it was literally doing it every time. I entered in anything I entered in, it would give me the top, the second most similar place. Uh, and that was extremely weird. That's- and also not good for getting to places on time when you're trying to go places. Yeah, that seems like a close the app and relaunch it sort of thing. And I did that a hundred times. Cool. And, uh, I deleted the app and re-downloaded it and everything. It was weird, man. I don't understand it. If anyone has a similar, uh, story, uh, or a, uh, indication as to why that might have been happening, let us know. 